G'day guys, welcome back to Dylan Friends this week on the show. A good old friend of mine, one of my favourite people I've come across in footy and all-round legend, Lockie Keefe. Lockie played for the Pies, he plays for the Giants at the moment, but he's got an unreal story. Yeah, it really is like no other. Brisbane boy, playing soccer in his early days and somehow ended up at the Pies. And yeah, it was a pretty interesting journey. Like went from literally never kicking a footy before to on an AFL list in the, in the span of, you know, 12 months. Played even in some Vatha football whilst he was on an AFL list playing for the Pies. Throughout his journey, he's faced like a heap of adversity on and off the field. He obviously had a fair few injuries with his ACLs and the way he bounced back from that, he's just got an incredible attitude, you know, always focusing on the positives and, and making sure he gets the best out of himself um, in any aspect that is. But he obviously went through a tough time when he was dealt a, a drug ban um, with another teammate as well which was obviously a really, really big story. And I'm sure you're aware of that one. And we definitely go into it. I can't thank him enough for his openness and honesty in that situation. And um, yeah, I think you'll be, you'll be super impressed with how he's been able to bounce back from that one. But yeah, just love this chat with Lockie. He's, he's an absolute legend. He, he's off social media. He's, a, he's one of those guys that just doesn't read into things too much at all. But as I said, I'm super blessed to have, have known him and, and wanted to get him on the show to have a chat. So hope you enjoy it. If you're not subscribed or following the podcast, please do so. If you're listening on iTunes, please subscribe. If you're listening on Spotify, please follow. It does help the show so much. And also those reviews too, guys. Thank you. Illy XX. Hi, fam. It's Dylan's mum, Deborah. This is Dylan Friends. He's like, you can embarrass yourself. And I was like, bro, do you want me to do all seven verses? Bit arrogant. Didn't know all yeah. seven. <laughs> I've been in a bad team for 10 years and we got a chance to do something pretty special this year. All you can do is put your hand up and say you're wrong. Banter is a way that guys connect, a way that we can kind of play it safe with someone until we get to know them. I try to fix people sometimes. I'm like, Dan, stop doing that. Just listen. And you stack on top of that the habit of not taking your phone when you take your dog. It's easy. They had no other way to get out of the cave and we either turn our backs on them, in which case they're going to die, or we give this crazy idea a go. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. Lockie Keith, welcome to the show, my friend. Thanks for having me, mate. It's it, been a while. It's been a while. It's exciting. I remember sitting down listening to Josh Kelly's first one. I thought oh, I might be next, but <laughs> not quite. A few episodes in, but um, pleasure to be here, man. It is. It's been um, it's been a long time, actually. And we have... Well, let's go to that now because we have a funny story of how... Not how we met, because we met probably nearly eight, nine years ago with a mutual friend, Tom Bell. Yeah. Big Bell. Um, when you were playing with the Pies, you used to live with each other? Uh, not quite. He lived with Josh Thomas, so not just around the corner. But you, were, yeah. you were around yeah. a lot. Yeah. yeah. And with Tom Young? Tom Young was floating around, not again, but in the, in the circles, okay, in, the, always, in that South Yarra circles. Yeah, they were yeah. always lounging around. And then, you know, we sort of um, lost touch. And when we both were looking for new homes, new AFL clubs, I still remember this day, and I think I've told the story a lot um, from my point of view, but I remember... You know, getting this call, being like, can you be on a flight tomorrow? Um, you know, you're checking into the airport, you're going to go up to see JWS, have a meeting with Leon. I was like, oh my God, this is unbelievable. Like, they're flying me out. This is cool. And I went to check in. And as I checked in, I typed my name and then your name popped up as well. And I was like, oh, this is so embarrassing. Like they've put two people there looking at the same time. They might have double booked us. Like I thought that they had double booked us, but no, we're just both going up together. Yeah. I remember sitting beside you on the uh, flight up. Because I was, I was nervous. I was like, we obviously just got got the ass. Yeah. I'm like, got to got to impress to get a new job, you know, essentially. And then you're there, and you just, you chew my ear off. It's great, actually. I'll probably chew your ear off. Oh, we were both nervous. But I still remember that day. I think um, Dill Addison picked us up from Sydney Airport. We flew, we drove out to Sydney Olympic Park, which I'd I'd really rarely done Sydney before, and it was like 
in a maze and I was just like, where the fuck are we going? Like, this is unbelievable. But I still remember that day to a T and, um, yeah, it was, a, it was a scary time. What do you remember of that? Like, I, I did pick us up and then he did a little tour of um, the West Connects Centre there. Yeah. And it's slightly different to the um, the Holden Centre or the, what is it now, the a, AIA Centre or whatever it is, um, uh, which is, you know, decked out to, to the nines. <laughs> and I remember asking him one stage, I was like, where's the pool? And he's like, nah, no pool. I was like, yeah, I don't need that. No, nah, that ain't yeah, Recovery's no, no. not for me yeah. anyway. But um, <laughs> but it was, um, no, it was, it's, it's quite interesting because nowadays I talk about um, I live in Surrey Hills, not far from the SEG, and I, I was like, it'd be nice if I could just sort of roll over to the SEG and you know have a run around. But obviously, uh, enjoy my time at the Giants and wouldn't wouldn't have it any other way. But it is, um, you know, it's, it is it's not West West, but it's it's not Jake Stein Penrith West, but no. it's it's West, it's West, but it's beautiful. We love West is best, as they say. It's funny with um with the Swans, and I don't want to harp on this for a while, but they. Like a lot of the Giants guys, we all play out west. We, you guys, play out west, but we all lived in the east. Whereas, right, we 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 like a lot of us would live a kilometre from the SEG, and then all the Swans guys all live south, ages away from the SEG. I always found that so weird. Mm. I remember when I was at the, um, you know back at the Pies days, it was I was living in South Yarra there, as we said, just near um, uh, Boys Grammar, and it was like a ten minute walk. Mm. And I thought oh, I'm not going any further than this. You know, I, I actually bought a place in Elwood, and I was like, too far away. I'm not with them there. That's that's silly. And then now it's it's a good 45 minutes stint <laughs> to the uh, to to out where we train, but um, it gives me time to listen to the podcast, man. So uh, or or it used to be, and now Matt DeBoer moved into the Surrey Hills crew, and so we um, we share rides all the time, and we just we just talk a lot of shit together, oh. and um, and uh, and my time's sort of taken away from the podcast a little bit, but I. I try to delve in as much as possible. Listen to Maxie's one on the way here. It means a lot because you are an elusive man when it comes to like social media, really. Like you've been off socials for three, four years now. Like you, you, You're pretty much completely cut off from social media, would you say? Uh, oh, I'd, I'd have Twitter. I yep. do. I, I don't. That's weird because that's like the worst platform to be on, really. There's some units on there. Like, There's some interesting <laughs> why characters. Why would you be on Twitter? No yeah, one goes on Twitter. Yeah, I, I, I just felt like I was spending way too much time on the, and there was a lot of rubbish on Facebook. I don't know how what it's like anymore. If I don't think anyone do goes it, on but Facebook. That's a good point. Much, there yeah. you go. <laughs> Instagram is you should just spend a lot of time and I see bikes at the club now spent like TikTok, you just oh, they're just mate. flicking fingers, man. Yeah. It's like, oh, these hours you go by and you'd see a whole lot of crap. But um, yeah, Twitter, you can get pretty deep in Twitter. I use it more as like a news feed and like an information feed. Hmm. I don't tweet a whole lot. I just retweet some bits and pieces that I think are cool and most of the stuff that's pretty boring. But um, yeah, it's, that's the only really social media I got, and which is, you know, I like to, I like to think I'm more a face-to-face kind of person, but I do miss out on like birthdays and that kind of stuff. That was what Facebook was usually yeah, used for. Yeah, for that. Um, mate, the reason I want to get you on today is because I love you. You know that. Thanks, man. And Mutual. I love everything you're about. You're an incredible person. Um, when I think of, you know, people I've played with, I think of like their stories and, you know, because sometimes I look back at my story and I was like, fuck, you know, I probably could have tried harder because I was faced with this, but also, you know, I was unlucky. But then you go to you and you're like a person that's had a similar career, but you've always come out better the other end. So I really admire the way you've been able to do that. Um, so, and, and I think... The story is not well known. I don't know anyone who would know, maybe know that. So today, that's why I want to get on a show to sort of talk about your journey through the AFL and, and probably just you know what you've learned through life. I, I still think you're like 27, but aren't you like 36 now? So like, how old yeah. are you at the moment? 
I get a little bit actually at the club. All the boys think, you know, oh, you know, it's only 27. I don't know if that's a good thing or not. Yeah. Like, I feel like you get, probably get to a certain age where it's like, you know, everyone thinks you're a bit younger. It's like, that's great. But everyone, I feel like, you know, maybe I'm a bit mature, but um, I'll be 32 in a couple of weeks, April. So, um, I'm now. I think. I think Matt DeBoer is the oldest. He's he's got a month of me, and then Wardy's got a week of me, and then it's myself. So oh. I used to laugh at those guys like um, Heath and Shane Mumford, who he would still be running around if it wasn't for his body. But um, he loves the cash, man. That bloke. No, oh, he loves uh, the cash. And um, so you know, I'm, I'm one of those those older statesmen now. But um, you know, it's it's still refreshing. I still really love you know getting to the club, getting around the boys, and and learning off a lot of guys. You know, can continually learning you know like these young guys have coming in now and it's a little bit different than when i first started mm. but um you know they give me a lot of energy and and I, I still love the grind i still love getting in putting the work and getting better basically mm. all right let's go back to the start then because uh like i said your story is really like no other and i mean that when i say that because you're a brisbane boy soccer background drafted to the pies as a category b rookie and played your first couple of seasons in the vaffa yeah, yeah, pretty roundabout. The so so I grew up in um in Gympie, which is a couple of hours north of Brizzy, and then went to boarding school in, in Brisbane. Um, played soccer all, all, all my life. A um, bit of touch footy, tennis. My mum was a tennis player. Um, but, but like all kids, dabbled in just about every sport you could you could um you know any excuse to pretty much get out of homework or you know any kind of schoolwork, but um. Um, and so, yeah, off to boarding school um, in year 10 because I was a bit of a shit. Um, Dad was like, oh, it's probably time. Um, that's what happened to him. He got shifted off to boarding school when he was about the same age. So off we went to Brizzy, big rugby school, um, still played soccer, didn't really fit in with the rugby. I played one game of rugby, broke my, knee, um, broke my nose, got head butted and did my hammy. So I was like, that's probably not for me. That, that union or league? Union, big big union school. John Eels was, it was the John Eels um, grandstand the Matt Hayden scoreboard. So there were some big names, um, me not being one of them. But we, I used to play soccer and we were tucked away in this corner of the school. We'd get about, you know, 12 parents to the game. Yeah. And all you could hear was the roars of the first 15, you know, playing in the afternoon. So they'd get like two or 3,000 to a game because they get the old boys and quite a bit of a tradition. So I was um, I was quite the opposite playing, playing soccer. But I had a couple of mates who were boarders who were right into AFL. And um, so that was sort of my first taste of AFL. And at the time when I was going through um, sort of the, those high school, early high school ages was the Lions were doing their three-peat. So you sort of, there was a bit of, you know, an idea of how it all worked, but mm. not really too much love for it. Um, I was always always still soccer. and um, But um, these boys got me into it and there was an opportunity to play, um, you know, school, um, school AFL. And it was on a Monday afternoon, and the only reason I said yes is because you get, you know, last the last um, class on a Monday, you get off because you're getting on the bus mm. and you got to get down. I was like, oh, yep, that's me. And so I had a bit of run around and just being sort of the height I was and um, you know slightly athletic, um, it's you know sort of rubbed off of me a little bit. And it, but it was it was it was still very interesting because you had a lot of rugby blokes just running around trying to bash each other essentially. Yeah. Hundreds getting given away, 150 at one stage. One of the games got called off because it was all in brawls. Um, I got caught in the middle of it. I didn't. I, I'm, I don't like fights. Aren't for me, man. Like, and I got, I got, I got walloped, walloped at one stage. And I got, I got thrown in on it. So we got 60 out of tensions on Sundays. And anyway, it was like I said, it was a bunch of rugby guys trying to you know run around and show some masculinity. But um, uh, took a liking to it, and and um, and 
you know, I, I got these two mates that um, I uh, you know, still keep up up with. Um, one's a Swan supporter, one's a Freer supporter, and and uh, so they got me into it early days. And um, uh, I mean, like that that was the start of it. And then I I um, similar to Nick's story actually when when he got um, called by Collingwood, I I did a couple of trial um, sessions um, just with some rookie academies down in um, Brisbane. And I remember getting a call from Derek Hine um, and being at boarding school, like prank calls were rife. Like it was just on for young and old. And and the boys had got, uh, caught a bit of a win that I'd do some trials and all that kind of stuff. And here's a call from Derek Hine, which I thought was one of the boys. So I completely ignored it. Anyway, um, he's called me back, you know, a day later going, you know, have you know, did you get the call essentially? Um, and then ended up going down there for a bit of a trial, um, did a few things with them and then, one thing led to another, um, you know, through some the AS programs and and all that jazz, and was able to end up at the Pies as a Category B rookie. And you know, I didn't go through the draft process because I hadn't played before. So, um, you know, here's this 80, 80 kilo kid who's you know same height as I am now, six eight, and <laughs> he, he, you know running into training. I'm oh like, what am I doing here? I didn't even know the rules. I didn't know like I had no idea. Generally, no idea. I think there was a bit of. Like I said, a little bit of athletic ability, but no, no idea of what was going on really. And who was who was coaching at that stage, and who were some of the players that you sort of had maybe, if you even had known any, were you like going, oh fuck, now I'm teammates with these with these dudes. Yeah, so it was a bit of a crash course early. Like obviously, you know the big names, like your Nathan Buckley's and these types, but Bucks had um, Bucks had retired um, the year before. Um, you still had your Scott Penderbury, Dale Thomases, mm. these types. So Mick was the coach at the time. Um, but I was sort of um, joined at the hit with Alan Richardson, um, who was our development coach. And um, I actually still remember um, Brad Scott was there as a midfield coach the first year I was there. And uh, essentially, I wasn't allowed to train because he was like, you're not big enough. Like, he'd, he's this. So he's that. I was just doing two days in the gym. So one in the, one in the morning, one in the Arvo. On some interesting diets. I don't know if the nutrition coach would get a pass these days, but I was eating whole chickens, just some real sort of archaic, archaic stuff. And so that was for the first, you know, three months of preseason. I was basically in the gym just doing yeah, uh, my no own training. Not while well, I did some stuff with Alan Richardson, just like one on one, essentially, just basic skills. And then we just watched, watched a lot of vision because, I, again, I got to learn the rules, learn how to play, wow. learn, you know. And so, like, um, as the year unfolded, we'd go to like, like I would, we'd go and watch Friday Night Footy wherever it was at the game, and he'd just say, "Watch this player," rather than watch the game. I'd play on the Saturday, then we'd go Saturday night, go, you know, go and watch another game. Then Sunday afternoon, if we'd had any energy left, we'd go and watch another game. So I was watching multiple games, you know, a weekend just to learn how to play, essentially. Yeah, that's actually such a good point. I forgot that we even, like, I did that once or twice. Should have done it a lot more. Probably would have helped me. But for any kids that, like, kids always, or, you know, anyone always messages me saying, like, what maybe do you wish you did more of? And I reckon that's actually something is such a good point is, like, actually going to a game and not watching the game, like watching players that you want to play like. Mm. I remember I did it like three times and I got so much out of it then just never did it again. Yeah. So you sort of latch onto those guys at, at training that you think, oh, this 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 is the guy that trains hard or this is the guy that, you know, you want to be or mm. like, or this guy understands how what it takes to, to become a, a, you know, proper AFL bona fide player. And so Pendles was the one early, like he was the one that was doing the extra touch sessions. Like, so you just sort of, 
not that I play like Scott Penery, but mm. like he he would. Go, I remember he would go early days. One of my first ones we went and watched was St Kilda, and he he used to love Nick Del Sano. And so he'd just watch Nick Del Sano. And you can see the similarities to a certain extent. I don't even know if he was a Saints supporter early days, but um, you know, he would watch him. And then you know there'd be certain ones. At the time, I was training as a ruckman. And so, yeah, again, Richo, um, Gavin Brown was there as well. We'd, we'd go and watch these games. He'd go watch so-and-so. Or when we're watching our games, watch Josh Fraser or um, you know, the, these types. So, um, you know, and that was just a way to, again, learn how to plot, like, learn the rules but then learn how to you know what, what it takes to be a player mm-hmm. at an AFL level and you know the skill sets and all that kind of stuff so putting a lot of work early days like a lot of hours um, and then because I wasn't officially on the list in, in my first year I, I graduated in 2007 and come January um, 08 I was I was at the club um, so it was sort of like a quasi year not on the list I would um, I was working at the club as well so I'd train in, train in the mornings and then work there all afternoon. Doing what? Oh, whatever, whatever they whatever they had for me really, like merchandise shop, a little bit of sponsorship. I I was coding games for players, that kind of stuff. Um, so that was that was interesting. Fuck. Um, that like it's like extremely humbling from a, like a beginning, isn't it? Like as in, a lot of people wouldn't do that. Yeah. Well, it was sort of. I think it was more. A, Legally, they couldn't because I wasn't a list. They couldn't play me as pay me as a player, right? And so I had to work essentially to get paid. Um, and we were lucky enough in the first year. We had a, like a first Collingwood had a first year house, um, and at the time it was you know free rent, essentially free food, or there was like a budget. And so here's here here I am. I've never like my. The only work I did was a bit of, you know, the paper run with my parents who own a news agency, you know, like, and so I didn't really work the day of my life, you know, just did school all the way through. And then here's this 17 year old kid making, you know, more than, you know, his $10 a week pocket money. And so I was just like, I'll do whatever. I, I had no idea that there was any other way, essentially. And I remember some of the boys at home would be like, what are you doing that shit for? I'm like, oh, well, let's just get told to do it. I'll just do it, you know, like, that's how it worked. But um, yeah, I just felt like at the early days, I was spending hours at the club. Yeah, I was. And then, as I, as you alluded to, I played a little bit of AFA. Um, uh, essentially, I was I wasn't good enough to play VFL. I was just yeah nowhere near. And then I went. And Jeff Walsh at the time, who was the GM of footy, he's his sons, uh, a couple of his sons um, played at Old Trinity in the VAFA. So I went down there and, and um, spent a bit of time down there. And and I think halfway through a year, I got dropped from the the, the seniors at VAFA, and they weren't that good either. Like they were they were A grade. <laughs> But it was like bottom three, and so they were going to get relegated. I think they got relegated in the end, and so I was just running around like I had this chook down there again, trying to learn how to play footy. Um, got dropped to the nineteens, and we end up we end up winning nineteens premiership, which is which is quite funny. I got, the, I got the medal somewhere around there, but <laughs> and then that was and then the, that was towards the end of the season, and then I was lucky enough through the AFL gave us gave me permission to play like the last three games of the VFL season. I remember my first game. Um, Cadinia Park, uh, absolute pouring rain, and here I am in the rock. It's Trent West and Shane Mumford. I think I had, I think I had one hit out and three touches for the game. <laughs> and at one stage, I tried to don't argue Shane Mumford. And he ate me alive, man. He, oh, I was, I got pretzeled hard. 
Did and he I was like, "This that, is not." Did he for remember me. that when you came oh, back? No, I've I've mentioned it to him before, and he just sort of giggles and oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't think you know. I don't remember. I I definitely remember it, but he yeah, he, man, he ate me alive, and then I was just like, "This is probably not for me. This stuff, you know. Like I'm clearly not up to it." And I'm thinking they probably don't think I'm up to it as well. Then I, I can't even remember the last two games, but I think I, I played all right in the last two and somewhat deserved or they saw enough in me to give me another year but um yeah interesting first year i did you know when i and i also played a little bit of um early in the year i only just remember now but i was playing uh, i ended up playing for queensland so i was i went back and played sunny coast power because i was from sunny coast played this is pre-vaffa yeah um and then end up playing in the state champs with Queensland. There was Div 2 state champs at the time. This is before Allies. Yes, yes, yes. And so I ended up playing with guys like, um, you know, Dave Beams, Charlie Dixon, Zach Smith. We actually had a, quite a good team, but we got we got, we got got smashed every game. Mitch Robinson was running around for Tassie. Um, you know, it was, it was, it was quite funny. I remember funny. this. Yeah, I remember, like, this was when Gold Coast This was when the Gold Coast was yeah. starting to do their thing. Yeah. And so all those guys end up rolling into the Gold Coast team. Yeah. I actually played against the Gold Coast in TAC Cup. Uh, when they were oh Gold yeah, yeah when their when first Gold, year yeah. yeah yeah super scary so uh, yeah I, I mean i did just about everything in my first year worked at the club yeah. played you know local footy back home you know vfl vaffa it was i traveled the world essentially it doesn't actually surprise me at all hearing that. i knew a little bit of that i didn't know 90 percent of it but you don't and it's one thing that's a credit to you is you don't have an ego like do you think that that sort of held you in good stead i think it it obviously has it was definitely ingrained in me by my old man. Like mm-hmm. that's that's the way he operates, and and so you you get the um, you know you see it you see it happen every day. You see it unfold. So you you know you naturally gravitate. You know you're probably a bit just as much like your old man. You probably don't even know it. You know, like mm-hmm. it, um, although I was a bit of a shit at school, I ended up um, um, like I said, I I was I was high school in Gympie and had every intention of graduating there, and then just was a bit of a Thought I was too cool for school, kind of thing. I wasn't, wasn't highly intelligent guy. I was, you know, I was a C student, you know, B C student. Uh, if I was lucky, um, bit of a smart ass, and then had a bit of run in with a couple of teachers that you know I wasn't fans of, and they probably weren't fans of me. But and then, and then Dad thought, you know, best to ship him, not ship him off, but uh, off to boarding school to yeah. some learns, you know, a few things. And when I got there, it was a bit of an eye opener because I was no, I was sort of a nobody again. Oh, I didn't have any friends. I didn't. Yeah. It was, I was just like yes sir, no sir. Um, and so that was that was a humbling experience, and um, that taught me a lot of you know, yeah, you know, a lot a lot of good things. Um, you know how to act as a, you know just a human being towards people and respect and all that kind of stuff. And and I wasn't a you know going to get suspended kind of guy, but it was I was a bit of a bit of a smartass, and and that definitely put me on the straight and narrow. And um, you know, think you know if I didn't leave Gimpy and go to Brizzy and then there wouldn't have been an opportunity to do the footy and it's funny how it all snowballs and how you know you get to the point you are you know yeah when did it all change for your Collingwood was there like a moment you go fuck like maybe I can actually do this yeah so it took like it was funny because like all the way through um, you know you think you look at you know a certain player and you go geez I could do I could do that but I, I probably couldn't do that and so you know there was, it was a bit of a slow burn um you know, a lot of people say, oh, you know, overnight success and all that. I didn't play till I was 21. I think it was my third, it was essentially my fourth year. Mm. Um, and so it took a bit of time for me to sort of, you know, get up to scratch to play AFL footy. Um, I played a lot of RAC early days and then I, um, 
Uh, I, I talked about uh, Alan Richardson being my um, development coach and then he ended up going to Carlton um, doing some line coach. Then I had uh, Luke Beveridge as, a, as my next development coach and he taught me how to play backline. Um, he had an interesting way and you can see how the dogs play now with you know being aggressive positioning or that kind of stuff and he taught me how to how to play backline essentially. He was the one that sort of was like, oh, you're probably, Ruck's probably not for you. <laughs> and then, uh, so you have a crack at the back. Leon's still not, he just still doesn't listen to those. Well, yeah, <laughs> it changes his mind every week. But um, so the, uh, yeah, so he ended up teaching me how to play back, uh, back on and, and so um, started to play some pretty good footy. But then the Pies were getting pretty good at that stage. Like 2009, I think we lost in an elimination final against um, St. Kilda. And then obviously 210 penned out the way it was. And I was playing some pretty decent ball, but we were obviously a good good team still a rookie um and so didn't really get the or didn't get the opportunity and then didn't debut until sort of around 15 in 2011 or Mm. whatever it was and it was ended up ended up being a forward forward ruck that's because chris Dawes got injured and i was sort of that that next tall i guess but um geez playing in those teams were pretty interesting like that that was that was hard to be no good at footy in that team like the ball got kicked to you and um, you know you were just one. I think my first game we won by 120 points against North in the wet. Like that team was just operating in all cylinders at the time, and it was yeah. good fun to be a part of. Like, what do you remember from that team? Like, what sticks out the most playing in such a like? As we said, Collingwood was super dominant then. Mick Mouldhouse coach was he still coach then, or was that yeah, the transition yeah. of Buckley? That was his last year. Last 211 year. was his last year. Yeah. So yeah, obviously I was part of 210. Like obviously training on it, and um, you know being part of the squad. Um, Mick had this funny thing where you get to finals. And oh, yes. he'd 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 pick a, um he'd he'd pick a final squad, so you knew where you're at. And Keith didn't make the cut for the 2010 final squad. So explain that because I've been not on this cut as well. This yeah, is yeah. like at the end of the year, there's a grand final. Obviously, 22 play. You have normally have 27 maybe as a list, like a squad go into it. But then they might have 30 or 32 that train as a squad, and the rest of the 10 or 13 people they just go home. They finish for the year. Yeah, essentially. So, like at the time, I think we had like forty-seven players on the list. Yeah, and then it just got to finals, and the twos um, didn't make finals. And he just went, "Well, Dill, you can go on holidays. Keefe, you can go on holidays. <laughs> Luke, round. See you later." And so, like, he just cut it down to about thirty-ish. Yeah, <laughs> and and which then is the crazy rest of, when you think about hilarious, it now. hilarious. Like, he just he was like, "Well, I don't want you to fuck up training." Yeah, essentially. And so everyone was else was just you know and smooth, you know training would be you know humming and you know oh, do you know how much that meant to me though when because that was my only finals experience i'd had before getting to the giants and i just had to go home and it was never a part of it and then when we came to the giants i remember you know we didn't win the grand final but we was i was so a part of that week i felt like i was nearly the most important person just to yeah. get the morale up for everyone like yeah we, i was still out there the whole time yeah it was uh, that was a great experience but in part of it obviously didn't work out the way we wanted it yeah. but just being a part of that week was awesome. Like I was even, I got to get in the car with Shorey yeah. in the parade. I was like, "How good is this?" <laughs> even though I got berated by all the all the um, Richmond units, but um, no, it was funny. Like yeah, so two ten, I didn't make the squad, and then end up coming back for the grand finals. You know, like the drawn, and then mm-hmm. come back for the, again in the week later. So that was interesting. But again, I just knew no. I thought that's just how it worked. Two eleven. On the flip side, I played my first couple of games. Played, I think I played five, and then got dropped for finals. Dorsey came back, you know, took his spot back, and that was how it, you know, how it worked. But um, I, I, I did make the final squad, but even then, it was like, all right, you guys go over the side, do some lane work for forty five minutes, yeah. And 
us 22 will do our thing, you know? Like, yeah. and so that was quite funny, but it was awesome to be a part of because that's when the pies were humming and you get, you were getting like five or 6,000 people to train it. Like, it was just, it was crazy, mental. But, um, yeah, good, good, good fun. Those, those, um, grand final experiences were great. The next few years, you sort of put yourself to staple in the team. Um, you actually in the leadership group as well. What year was that? Oh, I couldn't even tell you what year that was. Um, I did, yeah, I spent a year in there. It was, it was Pendle's first year as, as skipper. Yeah, which in, in itself is an incredible feat, as we know your story now. To go from that to being in the leadership group does say a lot about your character. Yeah, well, I think it was one of those ones where the leadership group was like, you know, eight or nine. Yeah, okay. You sort of, Don't you know, undersell it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I do, I, do, I do feel like I have some, um, you know, some good characteristics um, to be a leader. Like there's, you know, there's leaders aren't in one mould, but I feel like I've got some, um, again, yeah, some good characteristics to provide to, um, you know, as, as part of the squad. But um, yeah, that, that was a bit of an eye-opener as well. Like that was Pennell's first year mm. um, uh, as captain. Bucks was really, um, you know, trying to put his stamp on um, how we wanted to play and what the squad looked like and, um, you know, post the Malthouse, um you know, era. And so that we, um, and you know, we went from you know grand finals and then start to slowly, you know, slip, not off the cliff, but um, you know, just going backwards slightly. So that was, yeah, it was interesting just to have those conversations, be in those conversations mm. with, you know, the, for lack of a better word, the big boy conversations. That, you know, and you're across, you know, information that you won't, you wouldn't other otherwise be privy to, and it just felt like you had to give more to the team and 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 um, you know, come out of yourself more. But that was a good experience, and um, you know, Pendles, you know was in there and then you had guys still guys like Luke Ball and Nick Maxwell was still part of the leadership group and just impressive, you know, leaders you know, that you can, you know, learn off basically. Your career is looking really good. Obviously from where you've come from, you're in the leadership group, you're playing, you know, consistency in your footy. Um, you know, unfortunately you go down with a knee. Is that at the end of that year? Yeah, so um, 2012 I played the first nine games and um, we had uh, Ben Reid was injured Um Nathan Brown got injured, yep. and it was a sort of a next man up sort of again set up. But I felt like I was playing good footy um, for those first nine rounds, and then did my knee over in um, Adelaide at the old um, Amy Park there, mm. um, and then obviously missed the rest of the season. But um, yeah, that was that was disappointing because I was you know felt like I was getting going. That was my first sort of action of well, you know consistent action in, in the senior side, um, and then was able to come back the year after. You know, around I think twelve months to the well, it was twelve months to the day that I came back and played in the reserves, and then I ended up bruising my kidney pretty bad, like slight restoration of the kidney. Um, so I just spent obviously twelve months in the gym trying to get you know big enough, and as I said, I was like this skinny. I've always been this skinny kid, and so I got to a decent size. I think I got to about one hundred and four kilos, and then hurt. I played on Denaher when he was playing at the Bombers that day, and then right at the end of the game, just fell on his leg and innocuous hit. And I, sp- I spent the next week in hospital. Oh, no. Then I got back down to a 94 kilos. So I was pretty flat. I lost 10 kilos. And then, you know, it took me a couple of weeks to get going again. But then I was en- ended up getting back in the team for the for the, you know last part of the season and played the last eight games or not 10 games or whatever it was. Uh, and then rolled over into the next year, which I... Th- um, so that was my leadership year, I'm pretty sure. And then the next year um, after that, we... I didn't get picked for round one, and then Nath Brown hurt his shoulder again, I think, and then I was able to play like eighteen games from there. Mm. Um, 
and so starting to get a bit of a roll on, um, starting to feel part of it, you know, a um, bit of continuity, um, never never feel safe or never feel like you're a finished product, but, um, you know, starting to understand how the game worked and felt more comfortable at that level. And then pre-season the next year, Bucks gives me a call and was like, um, we're thinking about going to play your forward ruck. And so I'm like, here we go. Try to wrap my head around that. And then ended up playing the whole season, pre-season, um, as a forward ruck. And then that was when I got the tap on the shoulder or I was knocking the door at 6 o'clock in the morning from uh, from the guys from Masada. So that was that, was that pre-season and then one thing led to another, and here, you know, two years later, <laughs> spent a bit of time out of the game. Fuck. So, for those who maybe don't know the story, are you happy to go into it? You give us a bit of a rundown of, of what that story is, and yeah, go no into worries. it. Yep. Yeah. Go Have you spoke it. about this publicly before? Uh oh, I'm yeah, I'm. I don't know about fo- publicly because yeah. I haven't really like a uh, um. I just probably haven't had the forum, but I'm happy yeah. to tell the story. Like yeah. it's not not hiding anything. I think everything got played out you know, to a certain extent in the media anyway. Yeah. I don't know. It was the week before the season started and we went out um, a few boys. I, I was injured at the time. I hurt my calf and um, the – so I was driving. We'd had a um, like a club function at the um, – I think it was the Brunswick Bowls Club. Ended up driving a few boys home um, from there at whatever time and end up going to bed and then I get, I get, a, I get a knock on the door at – six o'clock in the morning or whatever it was um and i'm like i'm not answering that and it was just constant beating i was like here we go and uh get to the front door and a couple of guys in suits and i'm like half asleep still um the boy those guys roll in and they're like oh from masada i'm like oh here we go i haven't done one of these before you know one of those home tests that mm-hmm. you hear about um you know get him a drink of water, you know, sit him down. And, you know, I got this tiny little apartment. I don't even, I got a, you know, he's sitting on the couch. He's sort of sitting on this makeshift chair. And then he starts rolling out. He's like, so you've um, tested positive to, blah, blah, blah. I couldn't even remember what he said, but um, clenbuterol in the end. And um, I was like, oh yeah, well, I haven't. <laughs> so I, is this straight after the test or was this a test that you had earlier? No, so the test was about, the test was th- like a three months earlier. Right. So this was ages ago, the test. Yeah. So it, I can't remember the ex, uh, exact dates, but it was about a month or two, maybe even three months. At the club? At the club, yeah. yeah right. And so, um, test was done. Um, yeah, didn't think... Like, yeah. People, we get tested all the time, didn't think any of it. And to probably give context in that too, because I'm just remembering this now as well, there's two different tests that we do. Yeah. One's illicit, one's WADA, which is like yeah. anti-doping. That's a more serious one where they actually, you know, watch you like piss out of your genitals yeah. like that you literally have to you know show them your dick and you actually do it yeah um and that one's for you know wada asada and the yep. other one is just for like a dorich afl illicit drug test yeah so you, they also do like um they do, they, can do, they take blood samples Bloods, sometimes yep. asada and wada or asada which comes under the wada um banner but um and dorovich is the other one that does, does the illicit um drug test ones and so they're yeah pretty constant you know every random every couple of weeks they're in there Always. And you might get done you know once every two or three months or whatever it is. I remember when they used to come to me. I was like, mate, if I'm on performance enhancing drugs, I'm, I've got serious yeah. problems right now. Why do you get my money back yeah. for whatever? <laughs> yeah. yeah, all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, je- yeah. So so I get this knock on the door early in the morning, and then they run through the whole rigmarole of like you've tested positive, and then I, at the time I was like, I was so ra- frazzled that I, I was like, well I haven't, and so you got that wrong. Yeah. 
so I've call, I end up calling um, Neil Baum at the time was the GM and I'm like, oh, so these guys are rocked up and they're telling me that I'm, you know, positive and I'm like, well, I haven't. And he's, he's going, oh, shit. And then so I have to, I you know, I, I was like, oh, I'll come to the club. I'll have to hand my phone in. And even then I just wasn't, I was so early in the morning and I just had no idea what was going on. I just wasn't thinking straight. And then um, they're like, oh, do you know where, uh, do, you know, do you know where Josh Thomas is? I was like, oh, I assume he's at home somewhere. And then, so I end up, they're like, oh, can you show him, show me where he lives? So I end up driving them around to Joshy's house. Oh, <laughs> uh, sorry, they go, he's not at home. I was like, oh, he might, he might be at his girlfriend's house. And so I end up driving to her house because they live just around the corner in Turak. So I've, and even then I'm like, what's, you know, like what's going on here? I just had no, no real grasp of, you know, the magnitude of what was happening. Get into the club and Barmy's like, oh, ask me a couple of questions and I'm trying to put it all together. And I'm like, because they give me dates like, you know, what'd you do on this time and what'd you mm-hmm. do on that date? And I was like, I don't know what I did yesterday, mate. Like, I, I got no idea. And then um, had to hand my phone in as well. So they had, you know, this post the um, the whole Essendon thing too. So yeah. they, um, the government had given Asada all these powers to, you know, take things. And you know, so they, they were able to take my phone and one thing led to another. And, and then I'm just sitting there, and then it all started to hit me like, oh, okay, I, I might know the train of, you know, what happened and all that jazz. So then I'm just sitting in my room. I'll, I'll go, so I, I'll drive home after that, just waiting for my phone to get home. I don't know what to do. I'm just sitting there. Um, and then a few people had caught wind at this stage, and then a couple of the boys had come over. My manager was there. Joshy was, you know, he's come around after they eventually tracked him down, and and so it all just sort of hit me. And then it was like pretty quick transition from like telling the club you know talking to the club talking to Barmy talking to my manager and then all of a sudden it was like well we we're probably going to need a lawyer here and then so we end up um, uh, teaming up with one of the guys who had had some experience with the Essendon saga Mm. and then it was like um, basically it was like trying to keep the all the information to yourself or not to yourself but like let's try to keep it in house so we can control this to a certain extent so then i had just almost no um communication with the club from then on in for a, a good amount of time before we tried to wrap our heads around what was going on and um so the whole saga went for quite a while um oh that was like that was so that when's that like late march or whenever it was just mm-hmm. before round one and and we ended up um not accepting our ban until um like nearly just pre-finals like so it, was, it sort of went for a whole year but we weren't allowed, to, you know, for a long time. As I said, we weren't allowed to have contact with the club, which is kind of—it's not ideal for them because they're out, in the, you know, they don't—they need some information. They like some information. His mm. Buck's trying to communicate with us, and he's just trying to help. Um, you know, we can't really tell him, you know, all the information that he potentially wants, or, or you know, would be helpful for him. And and so I felt like a bit of an idiot in that regard. But um, you know, a lot of the boys at the club were, you know understanding to a certain degree and and you know we're, we're, you know, stick bias and i end up spending the whole year i think joshy ended up going back to queensland pretty quickly but i end up spending the whole year in um in melbourne um just because i started doing my uh mba after that so mm. um my thought process through the whole time was like well i don't want to waste once i realized that it is probably going to be that two-year ban um i was like well i don't want to waste the two years I, you know i want to be able to if you know and at the time as well, I was like, well, um, probably not going to play footy again. And so what's next kind of thing. And then um, 
so I started the MBA. Um, I was lucky enough that I'd finished my undergrad already and and um, got stuck into that. And then one thing led to another. Again, I'm not too sure of the time frame, but it looked like that we'd potentially be able to get back into the, into the AFL system. Um, and so that was reassuring because um, you knew you, you had some sort of path set out for the next couple of years. Um, whereas on the flip side, if it wasn't back in the AFL system, it would have been, you know, uni and then what's next kind of thing. So I was able to, you know, it gives you a bit of peace of mind yeah. that you can, you know, structure, you know, something that looks like the, or you, you know where you're going to be in a couple of years' time and, and then fill in the blanks kind of thing. Through that time of like the shit hitting the fan, becoming public, calling with the biggest club, like I can remember how big that was in the AFL. What was like, how did you deal with that mentally? Like, how were you in that time? Were you all right? Um, yeah, I wasn't too bad. Like, um, it was it was it was funny because again, it was it was all some of it was quite surreal, and then it's like I haven't been in these situations before. And um, one thing that probably helped is that the uh, unfortunate for him, but like fortunate for myself that Josh was part of it as well. Yeah. Like, and so you sort of feel like you're going through it. You're obviously going through it together. Yeah, and you're in this. It's, it's just the same playbook for him. And so. Um, you know, you've got him. You've got your, um, you know, family, extended family. You've got your friends who are sticking by. Mm. Um, they just understand that what you did was a mistake. And um, actually, the the hardest bit was calling me old man. Yeah, I was I was shit myself. And so I I ended up calling. I called mum first. So I went the the easy way out first. Yeah. And I was like, oh, mum, when dad gets home, tell him that you know I got to talk to him. Blah blah. And then I end up talking to dad, and he's like, you did what? I was like, oh, um, I had, you know, I did some drugs, and he's like, Are you got an issue? I was like, oh, no, nah, just only a handful of times, and I, you know, shouldn't have done that, and you know, I, I won't do it again. And he's like, all right, no worries, get on with it, kind of thing. And he was, he was pretty good in a way. Like he, I think, was just worried again for my health, yeah, to start with. Like, have you got an issue? Like, let's get, let's, let's get on top of it, and then quickly turned to all right well what's next you know how can we help kind of thing mm. and so he that my family were great friends were great um joshy was obviously um calm head as well manager um the aflpa were great at the time too lawyer so i just had a, a great bunch of people around me that yeah. to steer me through the situation as i said early days it was your mind just boggles it like you're just a bit frazzled you don't know and these guys just set out this path you know like there's no real playbook for that because mm. it was sort of one of the first ones but um Set about a bit of a playbook and I just sort of, you know, step by step, just rolled it out and it was, yeah, I mean, it was, yeah, easy enough in the end. And I really, I actually, I haven't told too many people this, but I, I've really enjoyed those two years, like two of my, you know, mm. most enjoyable years that I've had. You know, um, was able to travel, travel to the states at the end of the, that that first season, and then me and Josh were able to go to um, do European summer as well. So it was like. It wasn't all doom and gloom, and what I did was like obviously you should you you cop what you get because you shouldn't be doing what you're doing. But um, I was lucky enough that I got to do start my MBA, put a lot of time and effort into that, travel, go. You know, I was I was moving back into like the second year I, went, I moved back to Queensland, I was moving back into home at 27. I think most people move out at 27. I was moving back in, and so that was great. I got to hang out with sisters for I hadn't you know like I got four younger sisters, so that got to hang out with them. You know that you know that you only see two or three times a year. So I was seeing them every week and, you know, just catching up with fam. It was just great. It was, yeah, I really enjoyed the time to be honest. Yeah. It's it's funny because I hate, I hate that we're 
I, I hope that this story today isn't the hero of this show, of this podcast, because it's a small story in your story, but it's also really important because I wanted to show that there's such another side to you that people might not have seen. And it annoys me that maybe, and this is a question in here somewhere, is like, does, has it ever annoyed you? Because I know it annoys me. And not that this is something that a lot of people would think, or I'm not sure what people would think, but that that is connected to you because I can think of a million other people that this story suits better. Like yeah. it just doesn't, knowing you and hearing your feet today and, and people understand this, like that just isn't you. And what I'm trying to say is like, is that something that you know frustrates you or have you taken the better side from like you said and gone, now fuck it, I'm going to learn from it, commit to my MBA and become a better person off field? Yeah, well, it doesn't really bother me at all, to be honest. Um, you know, people can think what they think. Like, mm. like I've... Um, people can form their own opinions, but um, what what matters most to me is the people that are close to me, like you yeah. know yourself and my family members and all that kind of stuff. And I feel like um, if people truly know you, then that'll shine through yeah. with the people that ca- that that matter the most mm. in, in a certain way. And I don't, I just don't buy into any, you know, I I, yes, I don't know who says that. Like it was funny because I get a few barbs still across, you know, across the boundary line every now and again, which it kind of it kind of makes me laugh. Yeah, because it's you know I remember my one of my first games back, I was playing. Um, in the twos um, at the Holden Centre there, and um, and it was against Box Hill. I think Mitch Lewis actually took me for a bit, like he, he he was one of his first years or something like that, and he he started playing some pretty good footy. He kicked like two or three and a quarter, and the Box Hill boys were behind the goal, and they were just giving it to me, yeah. and I couldn't help but laugh because what are you going to do? Like it's you know that's all part of it, but. Um, um, even when I, when I go and play the pies nowadays, some of the pies supporters, you know, you get me stuck in me about that. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I mean, you you make your bed, you sleep in it, kind yeah. of thing, and it's it doesn't it's water off a duck's yeah. back for me because it's just yeah, I, I I really don't care what people it's, think. It's, mate, it's, it's that's you know, and we've never had this chat before about this, and not because uh, like it's been weird or anything, just because like I don't think it's necessary. Um, but it's funny hearing you say that because it like in me in that situation or anyone else in that situation, I feel like people would really care and it's admirable that you have been able to keep that, like that mindset. Yeah. And maybe because it's like, well, at the time you played for Collingwood, big club. Big club. Yeah. Um, so, so there's that. There was also at the time was the Essendon drug saga was yeah. still going. So we were almost put in the, like, whatever, like it was sort of sec. It was like the, it was like the set, you know, after the f- first couple of weeks, it was like, whatever, Essendon's still doing their thing, you know? Mm. And so there was there was that. Um, and then I kept a pretty low profile. I mean, I remember the first week, actually, I um, I lived in this little two-bedroom apartment on the first floor just in South Yarra. And um, we had, there was there was two ways to get in and out. There was like our front door and then there was like, you could go through the other apartment building and go through the back door. It was just in this old Art Deco kind of, Thing. And the first week, I remember leaving my house, like first day, and there was media at the front of the house. I'm like, what is these guys doing here? And they're trying to run out, and then I'll get on my bike, and I just drive around right mm. off. I was going to, because Josh just lived across Faulkner Park there. And um, for a week after that, I was like, I'm not going through the front door again, because they were still there. I was like, what? Come on, guys. Yeah. I get it, but like, yeah. and I don't know how they got my address. Like, how do people find that shit out? I don't know. But I was going out the back door, and I, I was remember thinking like these guys probably think I'm a hermit crab they yeah. don't want to come out I was spending the whole week doing whatever I wanted because I was going out the back door and these poor I don't even know who it was job it was I just got to you know stalk Stay someone there. I was just like poor poor people got to do that but um, 
and 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 maybe you know like me and Josh were kind of small fry yeah. in a way like we were we're not big names um not you know not some of the better players in the comp so it's sort of a, maybe that was a bit whatever Josh again moved back to Queensland pretty early um I spent just that first sort of eight to nine months in um in Melbourne and then end up moving back to Queensland in the second um, for the second year anyway and it was just sort of like business as usual because you're back home you're living with parents no one knows what footy is up there anyway to a certain extent it was, just, it was just like you keep you know close eye on your team and, yep. and how the boys are going and, um, and then we were just training away in the background Has there been a moment in your career where you've realised something the most like it might have been that time or another time where you've just learnt something about yourself and been like fuck this has been a good experience or like what have you taken out of it? Not so much. Like I've, I pride myself in sort of just being pretty level-headed at yeah. all times. Like obviously like that's a bit of a curveball and you you got to deal with it. But um, again, I was just so lucky to have good people around me that just like steer me on the straight yeah. and narrow in, in, in a lot of regards. Almost like set out some goals from like once I realized, all right, two-year ban. What's next? What's next? Mm. Um, you know, like how am I, how am I going to, you know, become a bit like not a better person but like how am i going to get how am i going to make most yeah. of it how am i going to how am i get you know there's here's an opportunity to do some things that i might not have been able to do travel see the world um do my mba you know really um knock that over um you know from a, almost like a full-time perspective rather than a part-time as, as you would be able to do um if you're playing footy so um and that was so, that was really challenging actually just doing the mba because i'm not i'm not the smartest or the brightest guy going around i just feel like I put enough time and effort into something that you you get enough out of it. Well, you'd be how many players in the AFL would have finished an NBA? Yeah, no, I, I wouldn't I don't know. I don't know what the number is, but yeah. I, I assume it's it's quite tough only because if you do your undergrad as as a part-time undergrad, you, it takes a long time. Mm. Like you however many years. How, you how long did, has it taken you? Well, my undergrad was um <laughs> I don't know if it's it was a little bit backdoor, like AFL early days, just doing some interesting, you know, do a subject here, do a subject there, um, did some full days, a lot of stuff on the off season. Um, so I was lucky enough to do, finish my undergrad. Oh, it would have taken me five years, um, and then I was able to start the um, the MBA, which was essentially three years full time, but it took me about four years. I did those two years basically full time, and then. Um, when I got to the Giants, I was able to do it on a part-time basis, but it was lucky enough because it was all online that, excuse me, I could I could do that, and so I was able to finish in the back end. Oh, I finished it, um, yeah, just at the end of my first year at the Giants. So yeah. lucky enough, and then I've sort of gone back and done bits and pieces since then. But um, yeah, I, I mean, it was it was it was definitely tough. Like it was just a lot of hours. Um, I can appreciate those guys that do it. You know doing their job and then have to do an NBA at nine o'clock at night. You know, I was lucky enough that I didn't, I was, yeah. it was basically my job at the time. And so it, it took me, you know, you're putting, again, I'm not the smartest guy. So I got, it's more, my, my mind's more a time spent rather than a, um, you know, real efficiency. Yeah, I think you're, uh, I think you're underselling yourself. Before we get into what's next for you, I want to just talk about your Giants journey over the last sort of, how long have you been? Four years now? It's your fourth season or fifth? Four or five. It's unbelievable. Sort of lose like, track, eh? did, did you think, like that meeting that day that you know when we talk about now they obviously picked you over me i don't think i don't think we were competing for the same role um it's fair to say but that day that we went up together and i remember getting the call back um from leon a couple of days later and he called me he goes um anyway mate i was like yeah good 
He goes, yeah, we're going to go with Keefy. I was like, okay. <laughs> I was like, yeah, no, it's probably a good call, to be honest. It's, it fits a bit better. You've been there for five years and you've done incredible things. Um, but yeah, I think it's been like nearly a whole new, well, I don't know, from an outside perspective, the way you've been able to like fit into that club, have the respect from the playing group that you do, which I know you do, and I've been lucky enough to see how much everyone loves you. Not just loves you, but like the play. I've never seen a player that doesn't like suck up to coaches be like more respected with coaches. I don't, is it because you're like 35 that you can, I don't know, relate to these guys, but you just have such good relationships with everyone at the footy club. Was that, did you, what I'm trying to say is, did you learn that from probably your time off in footy or was it just, you just rocked up and being like, this is what I want to be and who I am? Oh, I think that was ingrained in me early days from the old man. Yeah. Like just a respect, like a respect thing. Like you're never always going to agree with the coaches. Like, yeah. like if I was there, I was, if I was in match committee and I'm picking the team and, and like, so the team that runs out this weekend, my team that I pick is not going to be the same as Leon's. No. Like I, I dare say, and everyone else has got their own opinions and 90% of it's probably the same. And then, you know, even like the way we potentially play or whatever, that kind of stuff. But in the end of the day, like the coach is the guy that picks, the t- you know, he's picks the team or the, the line coaches um, tells you how the back line wants to play this week or the matchups or whatever. And you just, re- that's, I mean, you know, getting rid of hierarchy, it's just a respect thing. Mm. Like it's, that's, um, and so, um, my whole thing all along was, oh, this is this is your role. This is you just you got to play it. And mm-hmm. I think, um, yeah, especially if, especially if um, you know in a team environment, like I, I think, not not t- coaches gravitate towards that, but it, it makes their job probably a lot easier. It does. You know, I, I just I, I just feel like I've always been that way. So it's just natural for me. It's not like it's not a hard thing to do. It's not a, you know, it's a holy oh, and wants me to do this. You know, just. Just do it. Yeah. And yeah. It, it comes back to the point, like, you know, if you've got two blokes that are dropped out of the team and they're playing in the twos and one's there with a good attitude that will do anything to get back in, or you've got the other bloke, probably me, sooking why they're not, you know, getting a game or not getting an opportunity, they're always going to go back to the bloke they can trust that's got the good attitude. Yeah. And, well, and also like... And um, so that's what I saw and admired most, you know, from you because it, you'd often never really start the year, but you'd always finish it. Yeah. And I think that's on a list... When you've been on a list in a long time and, and you have and, and I was on a list for eight years, you never want to play the first 10 games. You always want to play the last 10 because that's when it really matters and that's when the contracts are handed out and that's when they pick the real team. Yeah. yeah. In the, oh, you clearly want to play all year, but... Yes. Um, yeah, sorry. I'm I think I've only played a handful yeah. of um, round ones. Like yeah. I think it's my 14th year or 15th year or yeah. whatever it is. And I mean, with, with a couple off in the middle, but... Yeah. Um, and I've only... Yeah, I've only played three or four round ones and so but like i've like i came from i started from so far back like soccer you know, soccer kid he's 80 kilos coming in you know, trying to you know, learn the game didn't even know what out of the bounds four was you know like and 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 then so i feel like i'm still not even a finished product you know mm-hmm. i'm 32 now and that's you know when you know age is an interesting topic in afl circles or in sporting circles in general but i still feel like i'm playing the best footy I have, you know, and feel stronger than I have, feel than I am, you know, like, and so there's no, I don't put a, you don't put a ceiling on yourself, like in terms, or, or like, there's always this constant pursuit of trying to get better, like whatever that looks like, you know, like the game evolves, you play different positions, um, you always get stronger, you can always mm. get fitter, you know, like I always, that's that's what I, that's why I love playing sport because you, you're at the highest level and we're talking about the smallest percentages here and, you're just trying to gain some sort of, you know, advantage over over your, your, or your teammates and your opposition, um, and just finding out things about yourself that you just didn't think were capable of, you know, like, and so, 
I love surrounding myself with people who like getting after it and, you know, like challenge themselves and, and want to get the best out of themselves. So. Mm. And that's like a knowledge thing too. That's why I liked, you know, that's why I did the NBA and uh, you and I, we was a bit of a joke. We always read books. I always, I love reading books. I love learning about stuff, you know, random, you know, whether it's, you know, finance or philosophy or, you know, psychology, nutrition, whatever it is. I just sort of like, sort of like taking it all in and, you know, I thought I knew it all at 25, but I'm now 30, nearly 32, and I'm, I know how far away I'm, you know, from so many subjects and yeah. so many meeting new people, learn new things. You know, it's I just love taking it all in. In footy or anything, but what's been something you're most proud of yourself with? What would you say? Is anything stand out to you? Like the NBA is obviously a big one, but if you if you told if you what, that that old cliche, you told myself, you know, that 17 year old kid who's graduating is going to do an undergrad, do the masters. Yeah. I went back and did a, um, another um, graduate course in applied finance. Um, then he's that kid that played soccer when he was seventeen, and he's—I mean, I've I've only chalked up eighty odd games, but I've you know fifteen, you know fourteen, fifteen years on the list, mm. still going thirty-two. You know, like when I got the ask from the pies the first time, I was like, oh, eight years, nine years—that's not bad. You know, like I'm pretty chuffed with that. Yeah. You know, again, from from the kid who you know grew up in Gympie that knew nothing about, you know, didn't even know what a latte was or a focaccia. <laughs> Actually, got a funny story about my first. If we can backtrack, but my first um, my first day at the pies, Nick Maxwell invited me to lunch. <laughs> like, this is good. I'll you know Maxie. I've seen that he's got respect already. Like he's one of the you know he's like, I think he was twenty five at the time. Whatever. Um, yeah, come to lunch. You know, I was like, yep, yeah, no worries. And it was like me, him, Nathan Brown. And then we went there and it was like, um, you know, a couple of the oldest crew, like you know, Shane Wakelands, Ryan Loney's. Um, and then Bucks was there as well. And I'm looking at the menu and I'm like, I don't even, like Gimpy doesn't even have cafe, uh, cafes. Yeah. They've got Maccas and they've got KFC, you know. I'm like looking at this menu. I'm going, um, Fakasha, what's that? And he's like, oh, it's, you, know, you get chicken snitzel, put a bit of bread on it, a bit of, oh, I was like, yeah, all right, that, that sounds good. So come out, um, this is the old cheeky monkey on Swan Street. And um, and it's got you know the focaccia, it's got the chips, and I'm like you know worries. And then Bucks is there, and he's going, "You're going to eat that?" I'm like, "Of course I'm going to eat it, man. I'll just order it. What do you think? I'm going to eat it." And I at the time I didn't even know he's having cheeky dig at me because he's like, "You don't eat chips. You're a professional footballer." And I'm like, "What do you mean, dude? I don't even know what nutrition is, you know." And so that was like, and looking back, I'm like, "He's a bloke who's you know trying to set the standard early, you know, like." And here I am, not even what focaccia is. Yeah, <laughs> I don't even know what a latte is, and I don't even know that chips are bad for you. So, uh, and then turn full circle now. You know, now You're I'm the having fighting machine. LSA and hemp seeds on my wheat bix. You know, like there's just little things like that. Hey, one thing um, I love talking about is what's next for you. What's next in life? Because um, as you said, you've probably still got another five years left, but you can always tell. And now that I'm out of the game, I, I feel like you can always sort of look back on your career and you can always tell guys um, that are going to go well post footy. And it's not necessarily the best players. It's actually sometimes quite the opposite because it's the ones that have had to fight and hustle and do study outside of it. And a lot like Matt DeBoer, I'm extremely excited for your transition out of footy because I know it's, it's going to be even bigger and better than your footy career has. And that's saying something because it's been incredible. What's your goals for outside footy and, and what do you want to sort of get into? Where, where are you at? I don't even know what an NBA fucking means to be honest. So you're going to have to really... <laughs> I don't even know if it matters anymore, yeah, does it? No, I don't think so. Um, yeah, so like uh, I've done it a little bits and pieces and I don't know. I don't. I, um, 
to answer your question straight up, I don't actually know too much. Like I know exactly what I want to do. Mm. Um, but again, like like align myself with these these people like Matt DeBoer. Like you just like again, he's another guy played X amount of games at Frio, come over here, done really well. He's now played two hundred something plus games. Like just he's just a he's just a machine. Mm. Like and and a lot of people would just look at you know, who don't know him. And I think I was definitely one of these guys. Like I'm like Matt DeBoer, that yeah, that bloke from Frio, yeah. he sucks. Yeah, literally. And then he, and then he gets to the club, and you're like, geez, he's a good fellow. And yeah. actually, it's actually hurts you to say, yeah, like, he's a really good fellow. I know, I hated him. Um, I f- like he he uses the terminology like leveling up. Like I feel like I'll level up just because I met him. Mm. You know, like people like this are like just keep bringing so much energy, and this bloke's always on. Like no. he's always on, and he's and he's always after it. And I'm like, and then I look back and go, well, what am I doing? You know, like if he can do it, why can you know, like and then so you're trying to level up, just trying to follow him, you know? And so like I've been I've been blessed with, you know, meeting a lot of people like that along the way, you know. Um, you know, you know, Nick Maxwell you had on the other day, like just just a superhuman, learnt so much from him in terms of leadership and just how to go about it as a you know, good human. Um people like Matt DeBoer, even Josh Thomas is like he's he's doing great things now. He's 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 essential. I mean he's moved to New York and do some stuff. Is he He did a bit of um he was fortunate enough to um, meet a guy in Boston um, uh, that, that works at a venture capital firm. He, he went over there and um, he's just done a sort of three-month internship over there, wow. paid his way, um, but put himself in, an, in, an, in, a, in a financial situation where he's um, uh, able to basically take you know six to a year, six months to a year off, and, wow. and have no issue about doing that, and be able to go and again pay his way over to Boston, get the experience. Um, come back hopefully you know it, I, I'm not hopefully he'll find a way like you you just know the guys as I said will find a way like I, I like I feel like I'll be if I continue to get after it and and you know look to improve and learn and all that kind of stuff I, I just feel like everything will work out mm. um, again it's uh, I'm not entirely sure what I want to do um, and COVID's thrown a bit of a spanner in the works as I'm looking to do because um, I've done all the, the, the theory to a certain extent I mean again you're always learning but I was looking to do some internships, and COVID obviously threw that threw that out. And now a lot of people work from home, so it's hard to actually get go in, go yeah. in, and they're not at the same time. But we just I'm trying to work through that at the moment, and um, with footy still being the priority, um, you know, I'd like to think I've got still a couple of you know good years left in me. You know, hopefully two, three, four, you know, that kind of stuff. So, um, but um, I understand that. You, there's this great opportunity now to set yourself up for post footy. Um, I mean, you went, you definitely went through it yourself. Mm. Um, you know, got admira- admiration for yourself as well. So, um, you know, just I, I, I get, I get real joy and real, um, you know, real energy of seeing these guys go about it and and um, understand that there's an ability to do it. And um, you know, they they sort of pave the way. And um, again, not sure what it's, what it looks like, but looking forward to actually, you know. Getting into a great environment, um, meeting some really good people, and, and getting after it. It's exciting, mate. I'm very excited for you. Um, and yeah, I think I've I've said it a lot today, but I really admire what you are as a person, your values, and everything you've taught me. Like through that time, I remember you said that you know the leveling up thing with Made to Bore, and I, I definitely got that from him. But I think just that nearly that culture of, of a lot of guys that were there, like yourself and and others, that just made me go, "Fuck, I need to I need to do something with my life." Like you know, these people have got got um goals and i don't want to harp on this too much with like heaps of quotes and stuff but we do say it a lot like you are who you surround yourself with and i think that's a beautiful part in a footy club is you can surround yourself with good blokes but just maybe not at that time when they want to do 
something for their um, outside life yet or they're not, they're not in that mode to grow yet because we've probably both been in that system. But even in life, in people's friendship groups are in now, always say like, fuck, you, you are literally who you surround yourself with. If you're hanging around with dropkicks, like you, you're probably going to be a dropkick. Yeah. And you could, you could, like, I think naturally, like oh, I definitely did early days, you, you put a cap on yourself as well. Mm. Like, and I used to, it wasn't like, um, I used to like have negative self-talk as a joke. Like I used to joke about it. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm shit at footy, you know, oh, I'm, you know, like I should be like, yeah, but I actually suck. So I can't do that. You know, like, and I used to share a locker next to still side bottom and he used to tell me all the time, like, you gotta stop saying that shit, you know. Like, and I was like, "Oh, it's only a joke," you know. Yeah. And then once I've met a few people, you know, great the great Gary Goro. Yeah. Um, spent a bit of time with him. Who um, is a meditation coach? Yeah, mindfulness, mindfulness coach. Um, meditation does yeah. a bit of bits and pieces, but he talks about just like, um, you know, like there's this positive self talk, and and if you you can manifest it to a certain degree. Yeah. Um, and so that that was something that really changed when I got to the to the Giants. Yeah. In terms of like. And and that's helped me, you know, tenfold. But again, meeting people along the way, like this is this is great opportunity at football clubs. To there's a lot of people that would, will, if you um, put out the olive branch, they'll they'll help out. Yeah, you got Nick Crocker on. I've, I haven't met yet Nick yet, but I've had bits to do with him over Zoom and and through mm. Athletic Ventures. And what a what a weapon! Like what oh. a great human. Um, Justin Lipman's another one that and Matt introduced me to. Like just just a just these guys are like super impressive guys and in my head it's like it's so far from you know like anything the realm of possibility for me early days but now the, the more i get to know them and the more like nick talks about himself like nick talks himself down well they all do but yeah these guys are so impressive to me but he probably looks at me and go like oh, i was you you know five years ago yeah. you know like there's just gonna put the work in well don't you know like that that thing as well is like if you don't see or hang around or meet people that have done things you can't see it so like you don't yeah. know what's possible until you see someone else do it yeah or you do it yourself you're like fuck i didn't realize i could i could literally do that like and for me like if i can go out of footy and have a job like you can fucking do anything you know what I mean? it's yeah. really it's really interesting but um and it's not it's not i mean it's not people think it's so far out of their realm no it's, and not. it's not and it's just you just got to put you you also it's not it's not going to happen like, like a lot of guys get stuck in these footy clubs or in the footy environment and it's like it'll just happen but you just you gotta, happen, you, you gotta go and put the work in you gotta go and you gotta reach out you know read this you know put the time and effort in and good things happen to good people you know like it's and i mean it's not going to be perfect like it's you know but it that's well that's my mentality you know i just feel like in the end it'll work out if you put the work in like mate incredible you nailed that. Thank you so much for your time. I just rambled on for it. No, I love it. That's, that's a po- Welcome to the podcasting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've just been like noticing lately, I've been seeing all these trends on TikTok, which you don't watch, and it's like life as a podcaster, and they just talk absolute shit and keep coming up with quotes. I'm like, oh, my God, that's exactly me. Like, I'm going to stop doing that. But then I'm like, well, that's fucking what podcasting is, so yeah. I can't I can't stop. Um, do you enjoy it? Is that your first it. one? First one, yeah. Yeah, long-time listener. <laughs> yeah, good. But uh, first podcast, oh, yeah, I love it, man. I love what you're doing. It's great. Um, I appreciate you giving me the time to tell a bit of my story. But um, mate, there were, honestly, there was probably another hour in there, so I think we'll have to um, we'll have to catch back up and get another one. Yeah, we'll, we'll get. We'll just we'll maybe the microphones. We'll go and get a beer and just yeah. talk absolute dribble. <laughs> Done. Thanks, brother. Thanks, bro. Thanks for listening to the Dylan Friends podcast. If you like the show, it'd be a massive help if you could like, follow, rate, leave a review, or even share with your friends. The show is produced by myself and Sam Bonza. 
Damon Jackman from Creative Edge Films is responsible for audio and visual production. The show is recorded at the Dylan Friends Studio in Melbourne, Australia. If you'd like to get in touch or suggest a guest or advertise with the Dylan Friends podcast, please email us at inquiries at dylanfriends.com. Thanks so much for tuning in.